Hi, my name is Quanice Floyd. And I'm Peter Dayton. Welcome to the Embrace Podcast. A program of the Embrace series, which is a partnership between arts education in Maryland schools and the Maryland State Department of Education Fine Arts Office. This podcast will examine the human side of arts education and is an opportunity to highlight arts educators from around the state of Maryland. During each episode, we will interview an arts educator to talk about their journey. Each interviewee will be facilitating a workshop as a part of the Embrace series. Our guest today is Nicole Martinell. She is Artistic Director of Deep Vision Dance Company and Adjunct Faculty at Towson University. She's facilitating Awaken and Reorganize, Mindfulness of the Spinal Curve, an Embrace session for Maryland's Creative Teaching Force on Friday, May 15th from 12 to 12.45 p.m. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Peter. I honestly can't think of anything more relevant to the needs of pretty much everyone who is virtually working right now than spinal alignment. Uh, Yes, spinal health, really honoring the curves of your spine and how they support uh, your daily actions and respond to movement. We're, we're all doing our best in this time, but being mindful of that kind of thing is so important. So just to talk a little bit about your session and tease it for people, what is this practice based in? My biggest touchstone for spinal alignment is Alexander Technique. Are we going to be delving into some sort of standardized areas of practice? I will be fusing some of my different backgrounds in dance movement, human movement, Laban Bartiniev movement fundamentals and Alexander technique and how those have supported my journey in terms of finding healthy movement practices. And I'm excited to share those with others. So then to move back into your journey of finding healthy movement practice, can you talk more about your background as a dancer and practitioner of creative movement, as well as how you've come to either specialize in or or prioritize this particular area of movement. I've been one of those lucky individuals that have been dancing since a young age, a lot of long hours in my basement as well, dancing to anyone from the Beach Boys to Michael Jackson. So creativity and movement has always been a part of my journey. Over the years, my study of dance was interrupted with a number of injuries as happens with many dancers. And at one point of my journey, while at the Fordham program, I had a class with Rebecca Dietzel. She taught anatomy kinesiology for dance. And this opened my eyes to the function of my body and how I can honor my uniqueness in order to find healthy movement practices. So that, that was the beginning. And at that point, following, unfortunately, a larger injury where I broke my fifth metatarsal for the second time. (laughs) Uh, It was actually a happy happening (laughs) because I then shifted gears to going to Penn State University and getting a degree in kinesiology with a minor in dance. And that began my journey with fusing dance, science, and somatics. Dance is such a physically demanding activity. It really is incredibly athletic and like professional athletic career tracks, it it can have a very short trajectory. And I know that cultivating healthy movement and alignment practices is an important part of preserving your instrument in a sense. Yeah, I'd I'd like to say that what, what I love is where I work at Towson, our motto 
is dancing for a lifetime. So how can we provide tools to dancers and, and non-majors in order to build an understanding of their bodies and find healthy practices, both mind and body, in order to support holistic movement? How can we provide them with self-care strategies to have longevity in their careers, not just as a dancer, but as a mover? We are all movers. And a significant part of that is our spinal health and the having awareness of our spinal curves and how they naturally respond to movement. When most people think of a spine or even just of the idea of healthy alignment, that immediately sort of a stand up straight, yeah. rigid shoulders back idea comes to mind. That's very much like Western European conditioning yeah. versus something that's probably a more complicated shape. Yes. Our spine is designed for movement, for support, to create an elastic, resilient being. And although some people may benefit from thinking of the spine as a stacked column, which I appreciate, I like to think of the spine as a more malleable structure. And uh, an important component to that is finding this fluid balance of the head on top of the spine. And that movement, which is this place of poise, can open the door to finding more efficiency in action. I love the idea of the spine as the support for a uh, an elastic and resilient movement. I feel like there's a larger principle to be drawn out of that for coping right now as individuals in this crisis, that finding our spine and aligning that in some kind of larger holistic sense is going to be a part of how we continue to move through this with elasticity and, and resilience. Yes. And our thinking has a profound effect on our movement. Our thinking facilitates change. It opens the door for movement potential and also for overall mental, physical well-being. So we'll be looking at that as well. There'll be some basic anatomical cueing as well as self-touch I'll be providing some imagery and other thoughts to awaken our thinking to where we are and how our spines move and respond. And we'll also be doing a little bit of floor standing and chair work. And I must emphasize this class is for anyone. It is not for a dancer. This is for someone that is holding a baby, uh, someone that is sitting for long hours at a computer right now, holding an instrument or just the action of reaching for a cup. How can we coordinate around the action at hand? How can we allow ourselves to be our most effective, efficient, creative selves? It's funny, we move very unconsciously, except when we're thinking about moving, which then all of our self-conscious usually insecurities come into play and it becomes a very intimidating situation for people who haven't cultivated a practice around intentional movement. This will not be intimidating. This will be a healthy, supportive learning environment. All of the previous Embrace sessions have had that tone. I'm sure this will continue that wonderful trend. So I, I want to talk about your 
background or education a little bit more because you went to the Fordham Ailey School in New York. So you were obviously pursuing dance with pretty serious intentions. What was your K through 12 experience like? Where did your education happen? And then were you able to prioritize dance through school? Or was that something that was always outside of your curriculum? I am from Pennsylvania, an area called Johnstown. And I moved here to Maryland in 2008. My school system did not have dance within it. Maybe here and there, but we would learn some social dances. But I mostly received my training outside of school, which started, uh, went from a few nights a week to driving an hour almost every day to receive training. Mm. It's amazing in so many of these uh, interviews that I've done, the impact of supportive parents who are willing to go to great lengths to support an artistic child. It's amazing and, and so heartening to hear how much trust is put into the potential of children. Yes, and I have to say I am the oldest of six, so I had a very, very committed <laughs> family. Uh, they always supported the children in their artistic endeavors, music, dance, acting. Also, as the oldest, you probably got a bit of a pass, right? Like you were you were the first, you were the angel. Uh, I don't know if I was an angel, but I <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely some rebellion there, but uh the distance between myself and my youngest brother is 15 years so my mother would be driving me and he would be in the car crying he was he was a little baby yeah it was very lucky and i was able to go to a lot of exciting summer programs and i started finding modern dance and contemporary dance at the ailey program as well as ballet Talking about your own art and your work, how would you define it in terms of either style or what would a Nicole Martinell dance piece look like? <laughs> I would say that I am a choreographer of human movement. I'm so interested in the physicality, rawness, idiosyncrasies, and emotional complexities of what it means to be human. When you come to one of my works, they are truly defined by the people that I am collaborating with at that time. In terms of the dancers, I'm exploring their movement preferences, their aesthetics. What do they bring to the table? There could be visual artists, musicians, maybe even a physicist. And we're working together, asking questions and, and they're, they're big questions. They're all over the place. They got maybe they're physics and metaphysical questions. Maybe we're looking at morning habits. Maybe it's just how could we figuratively and literally highlight head idioms? I know that sounds kind of wild, but the, the questions are all over the place. But what connects everything is this guiding thread of what drives us and beneath it all, what connects us as, as human beings. It's funny, though, in, in talking about your movement, and this is maybe me coming from the background of a musician, that music didn't come up at all in your talking about your practice, or at least not your first go around at, at talking about your artistic practice and the way that movement interacts. I work with musicians quite often, and the process that we explore so far has been 
at the beginning of the creative process, working and talking about the arc of the work and what I think might happen. And, and each little section has chapters and I will share with the musician ideas based on the emotional arc, moments in time, what I hope the audience to feel at certain moments. And then the musician begins to craft a score based on those ideas. Mm -hmm. Sometimes before he or she sees the movement, uh, sometimes after. And then we have a back and forth process of trying to figure out what complements the emotional journey of the work. I tend to not have a score and then create to it, mm -hmm. but both are being created simultaneously and then they start merging together and we start finding ways to highlight both. Mm. So about your own experience as an educator, did you start at the university level? Did you have experience teaching dance in the K through 12 arena? Uh, my first experience teaching dance was uh, in Belfont, Pennsylvania, back in around 2000. And that's where I learned that I love to create. So I, I thank Joan Kennedy for that. And I do have experience teaching in K through 12 through, I'm very interested in sharing the creative process with others. I, I have explored a lot of teaching the art of choreography, mm -hmm. helping students with composition tools. And I've also created some arts integration programs. One big one most recently was called Learning Physics Through Movement. And it was teaching students physics through the art of dance. And that could be, we're looking at Newton's laws. We're also looking at the dynamic duet of equilibrium to motion or how your center of mass navigates around your area of support. Mm. And I must give a shout out right here for Dr. Svetlana Gladysheva at Towson University. She just happened to come to one of my dance classes through Towson University Community Dance. And she is a physicist and as well as a dancer. And thus the collaboration began on this arts integration project. It's really marvelous. Can you talk a little more about the student impact of trying to marry standards-based content from an arts and non-arts subject? I remember my first experience going into a school system. I think it was the first was at West Towson Elementary and we performed for them. So we would have kind of a lecture demonstration and a lot of call and response. And then we perform sections of different works so that we could explore how Newton's laws might be taking place. And the students would at one point come up on the stage or like the gym floor and they would explore alongside the dancers different shapes and they would discover where their center of mass is over their area of support and how their stability might shift based on if they're on one foot, two feet, what if they were at a high level or a low level, and to watch these students interact with the dancers and to explore movement, it was so much fun. They were so excited to move alongside professional dancers from the Baltimore area. I also remember going into some of the schools and teaching choreography through these physics concepts. 
And that was memorable because, well, for many reasons, but one in which that the concepts allowed them to let go of these uh, movements that they thought they had to achieve Mm. and to discover this sense of organic movement to learn about who they can be, like cut away the fluff and and, uh, here's something original that I can be proud of uh, while learning about physics. It maybe helps break down psychological barriers about perfectionism in movement and also a kind of perfectionism of having to Mm. immediately grasp a new abstract concept. Yes, yes. And I I learned so much from the process too. Thank you, Dr. (laughs) Ledesheva. It's like, I I understood it. I've had classes in biomechanics, but for some reason... I would get all tangled up and she just, she really taught me so much in the dancers. That area, the area of arts integration is often also a collaborative one between instructors and so much learning happens in that environment too. Wanting to talk a little more about arts impact on kids and uh, you were very generous in putting one of your kids down for a nap before this interview. Um, (laughs) I want to talk about your own kids and are they in the Maryland public school system? Do they have access to arts in their yearly curriculum and how are things going now amidst (laughs) this when you're having to teach from home and more importantly when they're having to learn from home yes uh i have three children stanley's nine months so he's in daycare with well not right now but and theodore he's four in pre-k and they are in a pre-k daycare program that emphasizes learning through play so they're always creating and exploring singing and dancing my daughter is in kindergarten at Baltimore County Public School Systems. And there is an emphasis in the arts in terms of singing, music, dance, and creating drawing. I see that in particular right now. Yeah. When I get the packets and the virtual learning that's going on, that we have the reading, the writing, and math, which does integrate a lot of of drawing and singing within it. They also are highlighting what they call the specials. So we have a day where we'll be working with the music teacher, a day that we'll be working with uh, the physical education teachers on something called Dance It Out, where they're looking at locomotor and non-locomotor movements and a variety Mm. of pathways. So I'm, I'm really happy to see the arts in school. Um, this is just, I'm at the beginning of having my kids in the public school system. So what a time to start. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm learning a lot. I have to say that my, a big thing of their education right now is uh, make-believe at home and they mm. are, they're making forts. They're creating obstacles. We're doing freeze dance. It's just amazingly long make-believe sessions using those magnet tiles or whatever things that you find at home and building all these different sculptures, people, places. It's it's amazing how children are so creative. It's, uh, it's really beautiful to watch. I suppose they're not quite at an age where there's a ton of, where there's that much socializing with other kids outside of school. Mm-hmm. It's not like as a teenager, you really want to go and hang out outside of your house or, you know, (laughs) maybe that kind of time management is a little bit easier or that crowd control. I'm sure it still is quite a lot to navigate. Yes. (laughs) 
Yeah, but being home and uh, your virtual instruction is continuing, no doubt, as well. So it's I'm I'm sure that you are you're really yeah. I'm sure that the principles of spinal alignment that you'll be sharing with others have really been important for yourself to have a mindful and intentional way of going about these many circuses you're managing. (laughs) Well, I think that there's a lot that people are going to get out of your session, which is Awaken and Reorganize, Mindfulness of the Spinal Curve, which is taking place uh, on Friday, May 15th from 12 to 12.45 p.m., And I, for one, really can't wait to experience it. So thank you, Nicole, so much for joining me today and really looking forward to the workshop. Thank you, Peter. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Embrace podcast. For more information on arts education in Maryland schools, visit aems-edu.org. To learn more about the Embrace series and how to register for a session, go to msdefinearts.org. Stay safe and stay creative.